Welcome to a new episode of LFC Talk at Hotel Tia. In front of me, we've got the fireplace going underneath the captain shirt, signed by 16 of the major captains from Liverpool. And in front of all that, we have two fine gentlemen dressed in suits. They look so, so smart because they're on their way to Anfield after this to, um, to join so many more of the LFC legends for a proper Christmas lunch. But we are so lucky to, to be warming up to that party with these two fine gentlemen. And they're two of my favourites. They are like the, the number one duo on this podcast, if, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, of course, uh, our one and only David Fairclough. Good morning, David. Good morning, Ragnalds. And then it is the mighty fine Sammy Lee. Good morning, Sammy. Morning, Bradley, and morning to all your listeners. So how are you guys feeling on your way to a party? Are you ready? Well, obviously in these strange times, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think there was some doubt whether or not this was going to happen, but uh, it will be good to, uh, to see so many. Um, the guest list that I uh, picked up on a few days ago uh, had some really interesting names, so we're really looking forward to seeing so many other guys from, from different eras. Um, I'm sure we're going to have an interesting afternoon, and I think Jurgen Klopp and uh, one or two of the first team will be appearing by video uh, contact. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a nice, uh, nice day. On the list, who are you looking the most forward to catching up with? Uh, well, a big favourite of ours is Sui, and uh, I know Graham was down to uh, to appear. Be uh, always nice to to look back and uh, to uh, to catch up with Graham. And the Cout was on there, and there's a couple of the uh, the foreign boys, um, the lads who we don't often see. Not that we played with them uh, in in playing days, but down the years, obviously got a lot you know familiar with the with the with the players from from the uh, the generations that followed on 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 from us. But uh, and there'll be the usual culprits. Uh, likes of Sammy uh, and, uh, and Aldo and uh, and and uh, Daft Bruce, you know. Uh, yeah, so there'll be plenty of laughter. Sammy, who are you looking the most forward to catching up with? David. Oh, <laughs> no, everybody. As you say, it's just fantastic that we can all get together. I think, as Davy said, we weren't, weren't too sure that it was going to materialise. And Davy's just given me some news there because I, I never had a clue who was going to be here today. So it'd be lovely to to bump in and meet all these guys again because. There's not better than getting together, particularly around Christmas time, you know, and we, we, we quite often do, Dave, don't we? We yeah. have a group, as, as Dave said before, as he mentioned, the usual suspects, and we, we go and have a lunch and, and something to drink. So it'd be nice to see some others as well. But I think just at this time, at this strange time, it's just nice for us all to get together for hopefully recharge the battery for whatever's going to come in the new year. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that because five of the Premier League matches are already called off. That's half the league uh, on hold, postponed because of COVID, the new strain. Um, what do you think is going to happen with, one, the Liverpool game against Tottenham on Sunday and two, the league? I'm terrified right now. Well, I don't think we want to go back to, um, you know, uh, games in, played in front, of, played out, uh, played in front of empty houses. You know, uh, no fans allowed into football, so that is a fear. Um, I'm, I'm sure the Premier League are very reluctant to, to go down that sort of route. Um, and from what I'm hearing this morning, I think the Premier League are, are all intent on trying to, you know, sort of carry on and, and forge through and, and play where wherever possible. I think one thing has to be defined maybe is the criteria at which point games are postponed. I think there have been one or two games postponed 
and some of the managers have, have sounded a little bit dubious that the the, the, the real reasons um, you know haven't really come to light. So um, I think if they can you know um, give the, give fans and and football clubs you know more import, most importantly the football clubs uh, the exact reasons why a game ca- could be postponed. I think that will be that would be a help. But I, I'm all for sort of carrying on myself. I think um, I, I think the idea of having a, a, a kind of firewall, for want of a better expression, um, saying cancelling games for a week or 10 days and then picking up in 10 days' time. I don't think the world's going to change that much in 10 days to allow um, us to out then have a clear route through. I think it's going to have to be sort of play as much as you can. I, I agree totally with that because I think we've had we've had lockdown and stoppages before and basically it, it hasn't helped. I don't feel anyway, it's just no. allayed the problem. I think it's something we've got to get through. But I do agree with Dave. I think um, I think what, what the football club need is guidance. They need clarity because you can't just have games getting called off ad hoc. We need they need some sort of um, some sort of policies to sort it out because, as Dave said, it'll just lead to doubts being raised by everybody. And you know they'll then turn to well, why are they allowed to cancel a game when we aren't? And you get into all kinds of these suspicious theories. So I think we need clear guidance, and not only that, but for the supporters who are travelling from all over the, all over Europe to come and watch these teams play, I think we they definitely need a clear clear message, you know. But I, I, again, I repeat what Dave said before: I'm all for carrying on me and making sure that everybody's. I hope it don't sound too political. Is double vaccinated and boosted because I think. Only by having that can we can we move forward. I, I repeat, I don't just think we can keep on stopping. But you're saying vaccinated. I just read that 31% of the players in the English Football League are not vaccinated. They don't want to be vaccinated. So it's not going to help not letting uh, fans into the grounds because the players are getting it now because they're unvaccinated. 31% haven't had their first dose yet in the English League. Yeah, it's, I think I, I find that quite shocking, really. That I, I think that they haven't been um, clubs probably um, haven't been able to convince players that what they're doing you know by having the vaccine what they're doing is the right is the right thing so the you know the fact that um, you know somewhere along the line there are mixed messages is is a poor uh, you know fact um, that we're hearing I think from our point of view because Liverpool is at foremost at our, uh, the front of our minds they seem to be uh, very much yeah. vaccinated and it's been a little bit unfortunate maybe that Liverpool lost three players yesterday um, and as of yet I mean it hasn't been de- determined whether or not those tests were false positives so um, you know by having the tests is the only way that they can continue to, to go. But um, players aren't helping themselves. And you, you read in, the, uh, in one or two other countries now, um, players are being fined and disciplined well, for, think Dave, the, for missing games because of COVID. Yeah, and Germany took a lead on that, didn't they? You know, by saying people have to be vaccinated. And one thing the vaccination does, is, again, please, I'm not trying to get political, it doesn't stop you getting it, but it minimises the effects. And I think there's little people in the forefront of that. Jürgen came out this week and turned around and said that all our players and staff are vaccinated. It doesn't stop them getting it, but it minimises the effects, and I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, you could you could see that on the statistics, you know, um, with the with um, the the English situation now, where 
we hit an all-time high um, in terms of, of COVID cases yesterday with 88,000 new cases just in one day, which is like ridiculously high. But then if you look at how many dying, it's less than one-tenth of mm -hmm. the last time we hit that sort of peak. Uh, so it's definitely working with the vaccination. So Yeah, Britain has been fantastic in, in, in the way that they have been able to get so much of the public vaccinated and as Sammy has pointed out we don't want to get too political on, on all this but um, uh, it's a very virulent sort of mm. um, strain, strain. Um, so a lot of numbers are picking it up but we're not seeing really um, hideous um, sort of numbers of deaths and, and all that type of thing which obviously we, we you know we do want to avoid so in some ways I think it's you know you've got to carry it and get carry on with life a little bit. At some point, we've got to come out of this um, life that we're living and, you know, mm. and, and learn to live. And everyone only can do what they can do for themselves and their, and their sort of their, their families and, and dear friends. For sure. Because we do not want uh, to get the games played behind closed doors again, do we? Because that really damaged Liverpool. Well, more I, I, than most clubs, yeah, I would exactly say. Exactly right. And I think we've said before, for me, I think Liverpool has suffered more than any football club because I think we've, we've all been a part of this club and I think we realise, we appreciate what the support means to the club. And if anyone had any doubt, and you only have to go back to the experiences of last year when they played behind closed doors, it wasn't the same for them. And I think it affected this Liverpool team more than anybody. I think it's a strange thing, actually, and, and some down the years there'll be probably so there'll be some research into the effects of what behind playing behind closed doors did. I mean, some players rise to the fact that the fans are there, other players go into their shell a little bit. Uh, it certainly did work uh, to Liverpool's detriment. The um, the, the playing at Anfield, you know, an empty Anfield, and it, and it helped to, certainly teams coming here and playing with a little bit more confidence <coughs> that they're not able to do in, in normal circumstances. So we can say it really badly affected us, um, but I think it, it's been shown in, in in different European leagues. I think you notice that the the uh, amount of away wins. Um, was much higher in every league across Europe because of the you know no no fans and um, we know what football is football is all about the fans and the passion and um, no we, we we can't go back to those times and also I mean coming from Norway I um, and uh, running Hotel Tia we are dependent also on the international um, football fans coming in for for the weekend and we know how some people have waited for years you know. Maybe it's their big 40th birthday party gift from uh, the family or their confirmation gift. And the, some have waited a, a lifetime to come and now they are really debating whether to come or not. Um, what's your take on that? Should they still be coming? Well, it's very difficult. I mean, I was um, at Anfield last night with, um, well, doing some uh, duties for LFC. Um, and I met people from all over the world, from from Malaysia, Colombia, uh, South Africa. Um, all these people, you know, they came with a little bit of trepidation last night because they've made this journey and they're thinking, is the game perhaps not going to happen or not? So we can't ha allow, you know, this doubt to exist because people do look so, you know, so much to come to um, the, their visits, the, whether it's Anfield or, you know, Man Manchester United or, you know, uh, there are one or two clubs in, in London, I'm sure there are great uh, destinations. But um, from our point of view, yeah, I think... Uh, 
you have to take that doubt away and, and, and open it up. I mean, you, you see how much it is, uh, how much it means to people to, to come and, and, and experience Anfield. So, um, Which is why I say, well, people have said before, Dave, and I is that I think the clubs need guidance, don't they? Mm-hmm. And clarity. And I think for not, not just for the clubs, but also for the supporters, as we mentioned, who are travelling from all over Europe. Everybody needs this clarity. And um, it's difficult. But I think if you get a clear message, then we can all adhere to that message and be able to go and enjoy whatever they can give us. Yeah. But we need clarity for sure. Yeah, I mean, Watford fans, you know, felt for them on the way up to Burnley mm. on Tuesday night and then <coughs> finding out at sort of half past five, yeah. the game's not on. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's uh, wrong. That's, yeah, wrong. That, that, is, that is wrong. Obviously, the, the weather situation at Burnley a couple of weeks ago with, with Tottenham, you can't help, you know, bad weather. But certainly, uh, to cancel the game two yeah. hours notice... Um, yeah. Is not right. We are hoping that um, the Liverpool fans will be travelling to London this this Sunday to meet Spurs. And Spurs, they are at the moment in seventh position. They've won their last two. What do we think about the game if it's going to happen? As we're speaking now, it is. So forgive us if it isn't in a couple of days and you're listening to this. But you know, it's it's day by day, hour by hour at the moment. If we're playing Spurs on Sunday. What do you think will uh, happen? I, I, I when the fixture list came out uh, a few weeks ago, I was looking to see when the, the Tottenham fixture was. I was, I was kind of thinking, well, I wouldn't mind going to Tottenham because I think there's such an excitement to see the new stadium. Yeah, it's great. Um, and unfortunately, not visited it yet. And um, um, I, I hope because I was speaking to somebody yesterday who has who has had tickets has made their plans for for a trip to London at the weekend. Really looking forward to it. Um, I think Tottenham is now one of them fi- big, huge fixtures again in um, for, for football fans. They've had mixed fortunes. Obviously, the, the manager situation hasn't worked out for them, but they obviously have a, a new guy in charge now, Conte, who I think in time will will actually bring bring about a real good positive change for Tottenham. This might be a good time to play Tottenham. Mm. Actually, I think they've had one or two problems with the with the, the COVID postponements. They missed out on the game at Burnley and stuff like that. So whether or not they're a little bit rusty and you know there are a couple of a couple of it might benefit them having not played well, equally. Yeah. It might be it might be it might be a good time to play Tottenham. Well, people could argue that the fresher, I suppose, because they haven't yeah. played the games. But I think it, it is an interesting time because I think Tottenham are in a period of transition, as you so rightly say. They've got a new manager in, and had mixed fortunes already. They've won the last two, I think you said, didn't you, Ragnall? You know, They've had a bit of an issue in Europe. So I think it's going to be a very interesting um, fixture for sure. But I think everybody, everybody will raise the game against Liverpool. And Liverpool know that. They're prepared for that. And I still think whoever Tottenham play, I think it'll be a difficult fixture. But I think it's one that Liverpool can, can win. I wouldn't say easily because there's no easy fixtures in this, in this league. Regardless of some results, you know, they all have their own importance, their own degree of difficulty. But it will be very interesting. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly Conte can implement his style onto this squad of players, you know, till, he, till he's actually able to bring his so called, in inverted commas, his players in. He's actually working with somebody else's players. So it'll be very interesting. As Davey alluded to before, I think they've had a bit more time to implement that on the training park because they haven't had the games. So it could help them. It could help them. But again, this Liverpool side. You know they're they're not they're not they're not fearful of anybody to respect, but they're not fearful of anybody whoever they take on. Yeah, I think from our point of view, Liverpool are in a good moment. Um, they're they're playing it with a style that is difficult to combat against. Whether you close them down at the front or the back, 
Liverpool seem to have this way now of, of utilising their, their, their strengths. So, um, and Sammy's right. I mean, we, we all know that for a couple of clubs, um, the opponents always raise their game and Liverpool are very much one of those. So um, it's a game that Tottenham will be looking forward to, I'm sure. And um, But I think, again, to, to, to go back to what Sam said, um, whether or not he's had enough time to really sort of get the you know the back line perhaps in a, in a, in a, in a place that, that he that he wants to ultimately, I think um, they're vulnerable and and, and I think it'll, it, it's a it's a nice big ground. Um, I think it's a really exciting fixture, but it yeah. is one that Liverpool can win. And I think, as you saying before, I think there is a defensive issue there. There has been for some time, but I think the big thing for Tottenham is whether Kane. Can get switched on. Everyone talks about Harry, what he's been. He's a terrific player, there's no doubt about that. No doubt whatsoever. And I think he's one who will relish playing against Liverpool. So if he's had any sort of like dip in form of late, I think this is the time for him to step up to the plate. And these are the type of games that I know that he likes to play in. Him and Son, they like to play in these type of games. And that would be a difficulty for Liverpool. But I still think that Liverpool will have too much for Tottenham overall. I'm hoping so anyway. It's curious what's happened to Kane actually. The uh, the fact that how he dropped, you know, he really lost that great form that he's been in for a few seasons now. But there's no doubt, and he's a he's a top top player. And if he ever came available, then I mean, you'd, you'd have to say every club in in Europe would be interested in Harry Kane. So he's the major threat. And you think, well, hopefully he doesn't find any of that sort of best form at the weekend. I'm just wondering if he's uh, affected quite heavily by the noise of not finding the right manager and all the back and forth and not having that one uh, boss to sort of relate to and, and <clears throat> think forward with. Think? I think without doubt, Regnery, I think, don't forget, there's a major interest in him in the summer, major interest, and to all intents and purposes, apparently he'd gone. When it didn't materialise, I think it, it, it has hurt the boy, it has affected the boy, you know, it can't help but affect him. And it's taking some time for him to, to, to readjust to that. Also, he's coming on the back of a very good tournament that he had with England, which is always a little bit of a shortfall after that, or a fall-off. Um, but I still think he's a class player. And again, alluding to what we said before, at any given time, particularly playing against Liverpool, the, that spark that he has could be reignited. And if, if he's got that spark reignited, then he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a dangerous opponent. But I think, that, as I say, I repeat, I still think Liverpool have too much for them, I hope. I think moving forward now, um, the strength of the squad will be so important with the, all these COVID cases. And um, last night against Newcastle, I was really pleased to see how Kunata stepped up, how Ox stepped up, and how Jota is constantly stepping up uh, for Firmino. Um, don't you think there's something there that, that our squad now, as, a, as you know, the, the number twos and threes, if you like, are now playing with much more confidence? I think you can look at Liverpool and, and say there's a good 18, you know, strong squad there who I think you could perhaps, you know, think maybe if, if we were to miss out on a couple of players, we, we could carry that. Um, it was shown last night. Um, uh, it, and it's great. It's, it is great that, that players like Kanata, can I say, obviously come with a, a good reputation. Of course. <coughs> you know, he, he was a big signing, 40, uh, 40 million pounds. So he, he's a player who... Um, we expect great things of, and he'll be a little bit frustrated. Maybe he hasn't had many chances, but he hasn't done much wrong in the, in the opportunities that, it, that he's had. And uh, I thought he, I thought he did really well last night. I love his physical style. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's an absolute monster of a guy. Uh, so that, that, that's all good to see. And, and Oxley Chamberlain has found some form as well. 
Uh, and he offers something a little bit different, I think, that some of the players don't necessarily have. Um, you know, that driving in from midfield and, and he'll have shots on goal and stuff. So I'm glad to see that he's picked up a bit, a bit of form. But it also gives the opportunity for some of the youngsters as well. I mean, look at the way Nat Phillips performed in Milan. Mm. You know, he's terrific. You know, it gives the, some of the youngsters, the young lad in midfield, you know, it gives them, gives them a chance to, to, to perform because they need opportunities. And I think always you, you talk about strength and depth and sometimes you don't know the strength of these players until they perform, until they play. And I think now will be the opportunity. For, and and Jürgen's not afraid to put them in, which I think is terrific. For any young guy who's at Liverpool Football Club coming through the academy, if you think that your manager's got a belief in you, a trust in you, then that, that, that speaks volumes for the football club as a whole. And all these young guys need is opportunities. And I think with all the issues with COVID, with injuries, with, with, with tournaments that they're playing in, competitions that they're playing in, then they'll get their opportunities to play and perform. Mm. But a couple of games on the horizon, sorry, um, you know, the, it clearly is going to create opportunities for, for one or two of the players who maybe are a, a step behind, you know, the main sort of, uh, uh, sort of changes that, 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 he, that he makes. It's a difficult one for Phillips, actually, just going back to him. Uh, he's done so well. Uh, he did, he did mm. fantastic last year. Uh, but now he finds himself like fifth in a in a list of centre halves, and, and you can just sense that the, perhaps for him the opportunities are not going to be as sort of as often as he as he deserves, probably. So well, there is interest in him as well. There is interest, clubs, and isn't there? undoubtedly, you know, you, you would you know why because he's been yeah. brilliant, as you say. Well, and he's, he's an out and out defender, superb. You know, and as I say to you, he doesn't get many chances, but then he gets a chance against Milan, San Siro. Wow. Mm. And performs. But talking about young lads getting the chance, we almost forget how young Trent Alexander-Arnold still is. And <laughs> can we talk a little bit about the rocket last night? Because that was some goal. Yeah, well, you just need people in front of you making diagonal runs and uh, to help you sort of uh, <laughs> create goals like that. I mean, uh, uh, Mike uh, Dean. I mean, you can't be blamed. I don't think. I mean, at that moment, it was a great. It was a great moment. Um, and unfortunately, some people are sort of saying the goal. Yeah, the goalkeeper was. Um, was into you know it was interference by the by the referee, but I mean it's a, it's a great strike and we love to see goals like that. It was it was a goal that was needed because th- there were some anxious moments there mm. and it should not they, they, that shouldn't have existed because initially after Newcastle taking the lead, okay, you know you you've got a game on, but Liverpool then got themselves into such a, a great position and not to make to maximise and make the most of the opportunities we had. Leeds was sitting on our, the edge of our seats too often at the moment, so mm. that was a de- you know that that was desperately needed. The fact that it, we had to wait till like eighty seventh minute was a bit it was hard work, I think, in the uh, yeah. in the end. Well, I think at two one, it's always difficult, isn't it? You yeah. know, because it only needs a set piece, it only needs a mistake to, to turn the game around and, and it, to, for the opposition to equalise. But it was a terrific strike from the guy, and I think. I, I just look at him, he's a, he's, he's a thoroughbred, isn't he? You, as you, you so rightly say, Ragnar, you forget how young he is because his performance is just so mature. You look at him and he, 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 it just belies his years that we do it to look at him play. Fantastic. I thought, I thought last night, actually, it wasn't his best second half, actually. I thought the parts in the first half were, yeah, all the combinations were good and one thing or another. I thought he, he, he dropped off a little bit in the, in the second half. I noticed Jürgen getting on his back once or twice. Uh, when he makes silly mistakes, I think he's just got to raise that out of his game. But them, them great moments that he produces. But did, do you uh, not think they've sorry that to be in a criticism of Liverpool as a team, hasn't it? You know that they've they've got a little bit sloppy in certain games instead of killing teams off. You know, yeah. I think it's been a criticism of Liverpool. But again, you know that's because as we talked about before, we want perfection of them. 
you know, quite often they have give us perfection. And I think my, you know, I'm just listening to friends of mine who go very, very regularly. The big criticism, as I say, is that they don't kill teams off and they do get a little bit sloppy. And I think, you know, for me, that if something that, you, you know, it'd be nice if you can get three, four, five, whichever, and then maybe just, you can bring people, those people who haven't had opportunities, bring them into the game then, you know, at the 17 minute stage, you'd be three or four up. But when it's two one, the game is still on a knife edge, really. Yeah. And as you so rightly said, it shouldn't have been that last night. No, and we've, we've had a few of those this season and, and that is a thing that we've got to uh, sharpen up on. Um, we've had we've had sides kind of like on the ropes, so to speak, and, and we, we've needed to sort of really kill them off. Uh, the one that, that, that like, not, it's not the worst example, but one that keeps coming back. I was talking to fans last night about it. Was having United the yeah. way that we did, yeah, exactly. four 0 up. Yeah. I mean, could have yeah. gone. You yeah. could have gone on and, and inflicted, you know, the most embarrassing defeat mm-hmm. you'll ever ever get the chance yeah. to to do on Manchester United. And we take our foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. Whereas Manchester City, said so when they've got you down, they they pin you down and uh, and like saw the other night scoring seven. seven. Nil, yeah. I mean, we we need to do that a little bit more often. And I agree with Davey, I think, you know, it seems stupid to be able to criticise that performance against Manchester United, but everyone was saying the same thing. It could have been seven or eight. It really could without being ridiculous. Yeah. And I think, you know, certainly the, the Liverpool fans wanted that, to inflict that kind of hurt on, on Manchester United. But I think it, it is it, it is an issue, you know, but having said that, they still won 3-1 and we started talking the, the conversation of what a terrific strike and whether Mike Dean was impeding the keeper. It doesn't matter. You're never going to stop that anyway. No, no, yeah. no, not at all. No, I say that sort of jokingly, uh, but I mean, he, I think he, he, he caught on, Mike Dean, I mean, credit to him actually, because he, he realised what um, what was about to happen and yeah. he just sort of, he made that run. Uh, it, was quite, uh, it was quite amusing actually at the, at the time. I think I just want to wrap up this uh, podcast saying all we want for Christmas are a, f- a few more of those rockets next mm, year yeah. and a 7-0 against Manchester United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> David Fairclough nice. and Sami Lee, thank you so much for joining. And my name is Ragnar Lund Ansnes and you have been listening to LFC Talk at Hotel Tia and we hope you're going to have a stress-free, COVID-free, lovely Christmas. Take care. <laughs>